All right, guys, welcome to Magic the Final Frontier. This is Kevin Finkel here, and welcome to part two of our set spoiler for Guilds of Ravnica. Um, every week on this podcast, we talk about what's new, interesting, and powerful in the world of Frontier. Yeah, and uh, again, my name's Ryan, the Japan hobbyist out of Tokyo, Japan. And Matt Murday, excited to be back with the show for a bit. Right. Yeah, we're glad to have you. But we uh, a few week, few times this month now already. Look, Pretty exciting. Look at you guys moving up in the world. <laughs> all right, so we were still working on just all these interesting new cards we have from Guilds of Ravnica. We also wanted to make sure to cover our what we think are the top five most impactful for Frontier. We haven't covered that yet. So let's start with uh, kind of where we left off is just some interesting cards we haven't pick and choosing from the set yet so i think we were kind of talking about convoke last time i had one more card i wanted to talk about that i think is possibly play but at least in a sideboard uh in a sideboard um how do i say yeah okay in sideboards uh i kind of like mm -hmm. the uh, sprouting renewal card which is uh, a three mana convoke card that uh lets you either put a two two uh, elf token, elf knight token into play, or it destroys an artifact or enchantment. I think this is really good utility or really good versatility, I should say. You know, if you play like a one mana card on, sorry, one mana creature on turn one, and on turn two, you can stay on curve and play a two two creature. Or, you know, if you're playing against, uh, you know, another deck and you need to take out, I don't know, some kind of like enchantment then you can do that as well. I, I kind of like being able to keep attacking or to be able to take out a card like Aetherworks Marvel if I need to without you know having to sacrifice so, another card for it. So do you need to convoke this for more than one in order to feel good about it? I mean, do you feel good about paying two for a 2-2 two -two with Vigilance? Yeah, I think that's fine. Two mana I mean, for a 2-2. Two -two. But it also me, is a, a naturalize. Or not a naturalize, but you know it destroys... Uh, an artifact for, or enchantment. For me, I look at this and I say, is this... Like, if I'm bringing this out of the sideboard, is this the best card for dealing with artifacts and enchantments? Because that's that's the important thing when we're bringing in something in out of the sideboard, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and to me, the answer is no. Uh, I think my kind of favorite is going to be Rexage, but I think we also have uh, just, like, cheaper instant speed blow up that artifact or enchantment in green right you know what i like a lot more than rex sage actually knight of autumn one green yes. white for a two one dryad knight and when it enters the battlefield you can put two plus one plus one counters in it or destroy target artifact enchantment or gain four life love it also yeah this is this is a big reason why spreading <laughs> renewal isn't good too uh, this card's really good uh, uh, yeah. really really good uh, it's not like over the top like it's not like you mm. know wow this this card's gonna be Game is this a definite main deckable? Is this a main deckable yeah. card, you think? Yeah. I, I think it is in the right deck. Abzan um, Aggro, hmm. yes. Whoa. I would totally say that. 4-3? No way. Over over what is my question? I mean, over Tireless Tracker, over Anafenza, over Thalia? I don't know about any of those main deck. Okay, then maybe the green-white uh, beatdown deck. I, I, could, I could see it in a green-white beatdown deck. I think I think mm -hmm. in green white um, you can be a little uh, you can kind of have a little bit more just in case built into your deck and I think I think this is a great addition to that. So yeah, I like Night of Autumn. Okay, uh, I kind of pulled that one. Yeah, go ahead. 
yeah that yeah i said i like it i could see it i like i think it's it, it could show up in sideboards of abzan you know maybe instead of the hmm. uh the one three that gains you through your life maybe it's I mean, a, it's a fine sideboard yeah. card for abzan that's fair yeah definitely for a sideboard card um, I'm going to move to some Golgari because I think we haven't touched on too much of them. One of the cards I think is going to be a big role player from this set is Glowspore Shaman. It's a green and a black for a 3-1 elf shaman, and when it enters the battlefield, you mill three from the top of your library, and if you want to, you can put a land card from your graveyard back on top of your library. So it's not card advantage, but it does fix you. I think it's really interesting that you can take lands that have died and put them back on. So like... If you have mm-hmm. some kind of sacrifice a land strategy, I, I think like this... Like uh, Fetch Land? Fetch Land is, is one of them, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping there's a land out there that I've forgotten that does something a little more specific um, that I can really mm. you know, sink my teeth into with this. Uh, overall, I'm not like super excited about this card. I think it's it's okay. I think it's a little worse than kind of our some of our classic options like uh, uh, Satyr Wayfinder. Mm. But you know what? Mill's pretty good. 3-1 body isn't bad if you're just using it for the mill. You could talk yeah, me into it. Yeah, it's definitely more aggressive. It's definitely more aggressive than Seder Wayfinder. Three three power is a real number. I think it kind of reminds me more of Mirfolk Branchwalker, which also can be a 3-2 that mills you one. So it's somewhere between Branchwalker and Wayfinder, which are both mm-hmm. good cards. So it's at a decent spot, I think. Like, I like it in, like, dredge decks. Like, if you're playing Stitcher Supplier turn one, Spore Shaman turn two, and then you can power out tons of stuff with Delve on turn three with this. I think it's just so fragile. Um, I don't think... I, I think it's it's not usually enough to just mill for your game plan, unless you can do it on one mana, like, uh, like, Stitcher like with Stitcher Supplier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Wait, would you... Yeah, I mean, like... You know, like uh, Kevin was saying, would you play this over Seder Wayfinder, I think so. Whoa, 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 whoa. What, when would you play it? Wait, what? If you're an aggro yeah. deck. If you're an aggro deck, I can see it. If you're trying to... I don't think... In... I don't know that many aggro decks that want this many cards in their graveyard, but I can see that happening. Yeah, I think, I think the reality of Frontier is that this kind of graveyard setup is too much work for an aggro deck to go through. So I think... Hmm. You know what? If one day we got to the point where you didn't have to put as much work into filling your yard, mm-hmm. um, maybe this could kind of be the piece to tie it together for an aggro deck. Uh, but as is, I'm I'm color me skeptical. Okay. Um. No, oh, sure, Matt. Go ahead. All right. Give me a second here. I gotta gotta find a good one for you guys. Oof. I mean, I see one right up above where we were just talking. You want to talk about that beefy beefy troll? I do actually. Good call. Good call. <laughs> Charnel troll. Am I reading it? Uh, one in a black and a green for a 4-4 troll with trample. At the beginning of your upkeep, you exile a creature card from your graveyard and put a plus one plus one counter on it. But if you can't, you sacrifice yeah, it. You can also pay a green and a black to discard a creature card to put a plus one plus one counter on it. I like it. So this is a 4-4 that, I mean, if, if you don't have anything in your graveyard, you'll pay two on your next turn and it's a 6-6. I mean... Maybe that's not great, but that's still, you know, that's really beefy. Well, it's, yeah, I mean... You get to sacrifice sorry, if ahead. there's no creature cards in the graveyard, right? Yeah, well, you you do have the opportunity to discard a creature card before it requires you to exile one. Okay. So, let me tell you a story. 
<laughs> okay. okay. It's not actually a story, but where I am really interested in this guy uh, is things like uh, going Grim Flare, so he, the Grim Flare can mm-hmm. feed him, uh, and maybe maybe like another source of delve somewhere, not another source of delve, another source of mill somewhere, mm-hmm. especially if we can get it on a creature, and then like having uh, additionally delve dudes. And like stubborn. So denial. that deck right there, that deck right there, you wouldn't want Glowspore Shaman over Seder Wayfinder. I mean, maybe. I don't think. I'm not a hundred percent sold on Glowspore on on Seder Wayfinder in this list, even. Um, but if I was, mm-hmm. I'm kind of looking to be like mid rangey but low curve. Mm-hmm. So like, I want, I want a bunch of really efficient bodies. So I want to be like paying one mana for Tassiger and like mm-hmm. two mana for my four four Grim, Grim Flare. And then being like, all right, now I have Stubborn Denial. Try and stop me. Because all my creatures are going to be more efficient than yours. Mm. And I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to run at you a bunch and kind of disrupt you with my Stubborn Denials. Yeah. I don't know if it's good. But that's, that's, that's something I'm interested in trying out. I think, okay. I think okay. for like classical Abzan, I think I'm probably still on Anafenza. I think she's a little more resilient. But I could see this being a role player in decks like Jund and Sultai. I mean, it forces you to run a lot more creatures, I think. Otherwise, you're just going to be sacking it. He's a little more fragile than I'd like him to be. You'll probably but need I mean, a, a couple, one or two drops in there, I think, if you're going to effectively yeah, think, use them. I think three mana, four, four is kind of hard to, with upside, is kind of hard to balk at. Mm-hmm. So I think he's good. Yeah. I think he'll 100% see play. I think he's. What about scales? Do you think he's worth yeah. trying out in scales? I wouldn't. I mean, no. you, like three mana no. for that. <laughs> three mana scales has so much good stuff at three mana, mm-hmm. and I think True. they they already can't fit most of it in. Like, I think a well built scales list has like six, seven slots for three mana, and that's that's it. Yeah, and most of those are Nissa. Yeah, four of them. Okay, have uh, to be while we're on the topic of you know, I've been hoping for some good aristocrats kind of cards from this set. And I don't think we got any, like, one mana, two mana that I was really hoping to see. But we did see some good three mana cards that I think fit into that strategy. So I want to talk about Midnight Reaper and Plague Crafter. Both of these are two and a black for a 3-2. The Reaper is a three is a zombie knight. The, uh, the Plague Crafter is a human shaman. Um, Plague Crafter, when enters the battlefield, each player sacrifices a creature. And any player who can't discards a card. The, uh, the Reaper is whenever a non-creature token you control dies, including it... It deals one damage to you, and you well, draw. Playcrafter is creature or planeswalker. So if you're playing this against a control, yes, creature deck, or planeswalker. Sorry, I missed yeah, that. Yeah, then you can make them sack a planeswalker, which is pretty nice. Yeah, that's huge. So I think Playcrafter is just is pretty good if you wanted, uh, what's it called? Well, I can't remember the name. Grim Harrowspecs or oh, um, Marauder. We, we had bag. yeah, Flushbag Marauder. So if you wanted him, this is just a strict upgrade. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of decks have wanted him historically, but you know what? Wh- whatever. Rally used to, so maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it depends. Yeah, I can see Rally playing this. Kind of meta dependence. Um, yeah, and then, and then the knight. I occasionally still see a Grim Harrowspex in Rally, so I could see this as an upgrade there. Is this an upgrade? I thought this isn't Grim Harrowspex just better. It draws it you also cards, right? So Grim Harrowspex, Grim Harrowspex doesn't deal you damage when it draws, but Grim Harrowspex, if it dies, doesn't draw you a card. This card, if they just push it right away, you still get a card out of it, and that's really good. Oh, you know, what? okay, that's fair. All right, I see it. I see it. 
I think I might be a little concerned in the current meta just because, or maybe I shouldn't say current meta. I've been a little out of touch with UOL recently. Um, but in an well, aggro Atarka. meta, yeah, in an aggro yeah. meta, I'd be really worried about Midnight Reaper compared to Harris Specs mm-hmm. uh, because Rally, Rally hurts itself a lot already, especially if we're going to start introducing Shocklands to the mix. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I like Midnight Reaper. Uh, not only Rally, but also you could play it in Zombies uh, as another form of mm. card advantage. You know, all those, and I don't know the names of them, the uh, Crypt Breaker, right? The 1-1. One, one. Yeah, I could see that. It doesn't work with tokens, though, which I think is a little weird in zombies. But also there's the other 2-1 guy from Almanket. All right, well, uh, Ryan, why don't you grab another card for us? Okay, so let's see. I wanted to go back up. Uh, I had some fun cards that I was thinking of. Like, not so much that they're going to be super powerful, but they could really open up the uh the deck building the brewing process so underrealm lich five mana if you would draw a card instead look at the top three cards of your library and put one of them into your hand and the rest into your graveyard so this is a, a great way to fill your graveyard for, for like dredge type effects but where i really like it is with like cdc mm-hmm. like the four mana cdc and like a soul tie dredge type build you know you play her on you know turn four and then you play this guy the next turn, and you know you start just all this goes right from the library into your graveyard. So you just start putting more and more and more of those zombie tokens into play with CDC. This is more of like a how could I say like a, a mid range deck, I guess. Not so much aggro, but I think this this could open up brewing a lot. Yeah, I don't have anything really good to say about it. I mean, it's a five mana that trades with lightning strike. That's a big negative to it. It also, I mean, five mana in green and black, I want to be playing something like Ishkana mm. or Liliana. Like, there, there's so many good cards at that slot. Yeah. Well, we hardly yeah, you, lost me at, you lost me at five mana, not resilient, doesn't impact the <laughs> battlefield right away. Okay, while we're talking... And also below curve. Or why don't you do and one more? also below curve. Come on, Ryan. Well, while we're talking about Ishkana, um, what are your guys' feelings on yes. Izoni Thousandite in, like, a kind of... It's it's similar to, I mean, Ishkana's effect, where you, you play her and you get all of these tokens. I think Izoni is just way worse than Ishkana. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's not bad. If we didn't have Ishkana, mm-hmm. maybe. But even then, like, Ishkana is just such a huge wall. It's one more right? mana. Ishkana just has such a huge, it's, it's 611 you... worth of power toughness. I mean, like, if you're playing a Zoni and you're playing a Delirium deck that, you know, you, you put a creature into the battlefield, you have, like, four or five in there, let's say. You end up getting six, let's say, total uh, creatures, plus a 2-3, and that second ability, sacrifice a creature, and you gain a life and draw a card. So, the thing is that it, it just loses to a, any kind of board sweeper, which Ishkana mm-hmm. doesn't really. Okay. Ishkana's... Makes it tough, and for one more mana, and for harder caster cost... Yeah. So, like yeah. I said, I'm just trying to think of potential cards. Yeah, some fun some ones. Some fun ones. Great yeah, I see brewing. where you're coming from. Maybe also good so, in, in EDH, I guess. Um, so one I actually can't believe we've waited this long to talk about is Thought Erasure. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, that card, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> so I've been saying for a long time that I wish we had Distress in the format, which is just black, black, look at opponent's hand, choose a card, non-land card, they discard it. And this is so much better than that. It's a little bit easier to cast if you're blue-black. 
and you get that scry that surveil trigger off of it, which for a blue-black deck is sometimes as good as like drawing a card. I mean, it'll fix your draws if you need it. Otherwise, it'll put two cards in your graveyard from casting this, which I think is huge. I, I mean, this card's going to be seeing mm-hmm. main deck play in a lot of decks. I, I think. definitely think it's main deck. Well, I think it's obviously hands down the best hand disruption we have in the format. Yeah. I, I do think you need yeah. to be able to use the surveil. I, I think being a mm-hmm. graveyard deck is a big reason to play this. I think it's like it's going to be harder to justify in just like a deck that just just wants the hand disruption. Well, already but you're going to be playing dig through time yeah. and treasure cruise, right? So it's that's I mean, yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah, I mean, very likely if you're control, yeah. If you were for some reason, if you were like a blue black aggro for some reason, you didn't have any kind of delve or whatever synergy yeah i can see where you'd maybe just sideboard this but i would definitely want this to be able to be in board with some kind of surveil deck yeah i'm definitely into this card i think this card's really super good blue black mid-range has been been getting a lot better recently in frontier with like you know a lot of people playing like the scarab god and whatnot so not so much control but like the mid-range blue black flavors of mid-range have been the best mid-range in frontier Mm. like forever in my opinion while we're on the topic of improving discard options that we have, we're getting Unmoored Ego, which I think is a big upgrade on what we had as far as permanently exiling things. So this is one blue-black. Mm-hmm. Choose any card name, and you search their graveyard hand library for any up mm-hmm. to four copies of it, and you exile those cards. And then if you got any from their hand, they get to replace those with a draw off the so top of their deck. Get rid of their play set, get rid of their basic lands, anything. Yeah, so that's mostly... The, the ability to hit lands in Frontier, I think, is just kind of trinket text. Wait. But it, it is a lost legacy that lets you get rid of a Gear Hulk, which you couldn't previously do. It's better than Lost Legacy. It's so much better. Yeah, it, it's Lost Legacy without the restriction of non-artifact. Yeah. This is, it, it's obvious... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, this this is like... As far as the impact that Surgical Extraction had on Modern, I, I feel like Unmortego is going to have that same kind of impact on Frontier. Like, this I is going to be just like an everybody... Anybody that's playing blue-black is going to have this in their sideboard. I mean, we have this card already, right? It's not going it to... It can't possibly have that much impact. It's the best card of its kind. But I think the card... Yeah, it's the best of its kind. It's pretty much just Lost Legacy, but without the non-artifact clause. Yeah, it's definitely the best card of its kind, but it, to say it's it's like surgical and extraction level of impact that's that's a big mm. ask for me so matt were you just noticing for the first time that yes you can name a basic land with that's this card insane to me like that's that's <laughs> crazy i mean it does happen on turn you only three. get four copies of it oh only yeah. four okay okay you know you're right it is only four all right all right that's less exciting yeah i thought we had some <laughs> real cheese potential going on but turns out wizards is on top nah, of it not quite what do you guys think of Thief of Sanity? Am I wrong in thinking this is like Gaunty that's you can play every turn? I'm testing it. I haven't gotten to find out yet if it's as broken as it looks. It seems really good if it hits. Because it says you know, it's a 2-2 flyer. So th- this is the one one yeah. blue-black specter, yeah, flying 2-2. And when it deals combat damage to a player, you get to look at the top three cards of their library, choose one of them, and exile, fist, then. exile it. Mm-hmm. The other two they put in their graveyard. Yeah, and then that, that exiled card you can play at any time for mana I mean, of any they, type. It, that's that's just so crazy for me. You can continue to play that card. It doesn't matter, um, you know, if this guy leaves play or not. And also those other two cards go into the graveyard. With Gaunty, they went to the bottom of the library. So 
Yeah, which is maybe better, maybe worse. That's that's definitely a disadvantage, right? I'd rather exile the cards or put them on the bottom. You're giving a lot of decks use their graveyard as a resource, right? Mm. So if you're if you're unless you you're trying to mill them out, in which case I think this card's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I don't see it. That said, like the the potential is definitely there, but it's kind of like. Tell me what kind of deck this really shines against. Um, yeah, I guess it wouldn't be that good against control, but maybe combo. I mean, so it's a real mid-range card. What what you want to do is you want to be you know junding them out mm-hmm. or something similar. In, in frontier, it'd probably be crixixing them yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Is that you want to be trading one for one, and then this is a card that it gets card advantage for so cheap and repeatable card advantage. My biggest worry with the card is that I don't want to be playing this into any kind of deck yeah. that's running Wild Slash. The fact that this trades for Wild Slash at 3 mana is a real, real big drawback for a uh, Frontier deck. Sorry, I mean, I guess, like, to me, this is this is a mid-range card. Like, a yeah. card that wants to be up against mid-range and win that grind battle. It's not good enough against aggro. It, it's slow, and it has a blow-curve body, and it's just gonna, just gonna block and die. Versus Control, it's gonna be insta-deleted. So it's basically how much removal do you think they have if they're a mid-range list? Uh, and my my answer is that I think mid-range probably has the removal to deal with this, especially if you're in blue-black and you don't have that many good creatures floating around. I kind of like this maybe in that Esper Vehicles deck, you know, with like a lot of flyers and whatnot. That you have your Spell Queller and you have a lot of other tempo-type effects. So, I mean, if you're looking for, I think, Thalia and like... Uh, Spell Queller are probably mm-hmm. my slots mm-hmm. as a three mana slot in a, in that kind of list. I don't know. And Reflector Mage. Yeah. So I mean, I think the, the the three drop is just so crowded and it's already so disruptive. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I I like this card. It's very fun. It's very cool. I I don't know, guys. Not gonna find a spot right away. All right. So if I can take the next spot, something we haven't talked about at all is that there's two cycles of split cards in this set um are any of these 10 of them playable interesting strong i have two choices okay i, I don't know do you want you guys want me to go first is it okay yeah go first yeah yeah go for it any so, of them that you think are cool so the the first one that i liked was expansion and explosion this, hmm, so this is the blue red one it's so both of those are so it's blue red blue red so it's a the hybrid mana mm-hmm. on the front side and that can copy any instant or sorcery card with mana cost four or less, I believe, mm-hmm. and you choose new copy, new two targets for the copies, or you can pay red, red, blue, blue X, and you draw X cards, deals X damage to target. Yeah. Is it player or any target? It's any target. So it's yes, yeah, two parts. So the first part, you deal damage to any target, and then another target player draws X cards. So if you pay three, then three damage to any target, and then you draw three. It's for seven mana, but it's instant speed which is not bad. And as far as the copy target instant spell or sorcery, I, I mean, I think this card would be really good. Like, I, like I've i been really pushing the blue-red type of, like, Pearl-S or Wizards or even, like, Burn. Like, we haven't seen a lot of good cards for uh, Turbo Alchemist recently, but I think this could fit in there. So I don't know about Turbo Alchemist. I see this as more of a mid-rangey, grindy card. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm... I'm really into copying target spells. I, I really love it. It's one of my favorite type of effects. So it's I might be a little biased here, but actually I do like this card. Uh, I'm kind of skeptical that it'll see top, top level play, but I think it it could definitely be a fun of because I think it's flexible. And mm-hmm. 
I think that's really important in the kind of deck that wants to run this kind of card. Hmm. Yeah, I just I like both abilities. Both those are really good. The, the explosion so is a little both bit of heavy, the... I think both of the blue-black split cards might be playable. Uh, the one I really like here is Discovery and Dispersal. It's one and a blue-black split, or three and a blue-black, um, for a sorcery on the back on the front side, instant on the back. The sorcery is surveil two and then draw a card. Mm-hmm. The instant is each opponent returns a permanent they control with highest mana cost to their hand and then discards a card. Mm. So what I like about this is that that dispersal ability is strong, but normally you wouldn't be able to put that in your deck because it's five mana, it's dead against a lot of decks. Mm -hmm. The fact that the front side is something you kind of want anyways, you know, it'll replace an anticipate or something similar like that. Mm -hmm. You could probably run two, three, four of these and get away with it in a blue-black deck. Yeah, I don't hate it. I think it's it's okay, but unimpressive. It's it's another one of those thought scour type effects. That first part, the discovery. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think at in, had discovery been instant speed, this would probably be in my top five. But at sorcery speed, I find it unimpressive. I could also see playing this in ascendancy right now, just to play it only on the front side and only for one blue, just because it's slightly better than playing something like anticipate in the same slot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys have any other? Uh... I think multicolored cards. Sorry, it's not a backup. I think if you're only playing the front side and you're only looking for it for the card filtering, play strategic planning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was well, what yeah, I was I'm, thinking about. I'm talking about yeah, it's it's extra copies of strategic planning after you've already oh, got four okay. of them. Fair enough. I was thinking about that <laughs> earlier. Okay, my other choice that I liked was response and resurgence. As someone who plays red white tokens a lot, and also we have like the red white humans. Like that aggro deck. I mean, it's usually mono white, but you can put some red in there. I think this is a, a good card uh, that can either act as removal or a late game. I, I wouldn't say it's a game ender, but it's close to game ending because. All right. So reading this one off, that the front side is red white hybrid two mana instant deals five to target attacking or blocking creature. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. And then the back, and- if you want, is a sorcery for five mana. Creatures you control get vigilance and first strike until end of turn, and you get uh-huh. an extra combat step this turn. Yeah, which I think is like really strong. And if you have like a huge board, and you know they're tapped out, and they're thinking, okay, I can block and stay alive this turn, and okay, you guys now get first strike, so they're going to be blocking. They're going to be blocking uh, poorly, and then you can attack again. So if you don't kill them with that first attack, with those first strikers, then you're going to kill them that next turn, or that next attack phase. So if I had a gun to my head, forced to pick a second card, a second split card, this probably would have been it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't hate it. I think part of the really big problem I have with it is that response doesn't really answer the kinds of creatures that uh, white uh, aggro decks need to answer. So we're talking cards like Scarab God, right? Mm. Um, I mean, kills it, but they don't attack with it. They're gonna block with it, probably. If if they ever block with it, but they can just cast it again. Mm. Um, but I mean, like, it, it's more about the fact that they never need to attack or block with Scarab God mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. kill you with it. Um, it kills Siege Rhino, kills Tassiger. It's not useless. It is useful. I I gotta give mm-hmm. you that. Um, it kills Lyra. That's why I don't hate it. I yeah. just I think it's. It's not the answer I'm looking for in those decks, 
but mm. maybe the flexibility of having that uh, alpha strike turn, you know, the, the resurgence, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe that's enough. I couldn't see it as more than a one of, but I, you know, one mm-hmm. of seems fine for this kind of card. Yeah. So if I were to actually pick one more, I would say that find and finality does need to be talked about. The front side is two mana green and black hybrid, and it's a sorcery return up to two target creature cards from your graveyard to your hand. That's a price that we really haven't seen before, and I think that on its own is a strong card. Mm-hmm. The backside is six mana, and it gives a creature you control plus one, two plus one plus one counters, and then it languishes, which is also pretty cool. So yeah, but for six mana though. Yeah, I, I mostly am interested in this for the front side. I would need to find a deck where you really want it, but I could almost see something like Jund trying this. It is a very cheap two for one. Uh, I, I'm just I just worry about the amount of setup it takes to really make the most out of it, and it's kind of it's a dead on tempo card. So like I don't know, it, it is card advantage, and that's great. But it's card advantage that requires setup, and it's card advantage that mm-hmm. is at sorcery speed, and it's card advantage that. Um, doesn't I think do anything yeah. for your tempo, right? It's, it's slow. Kind of too slow for the format, I think. I Okay. I'd like to see it see play, because I, I do like it. All right, guys, I'm going to pick one more short category, and then I'd like us all to do one more, and then we'll do our top five here. So the category okay. I want to just touch on, because we didn't mention it, is we've got two Planeswalkers in this set that we haven't even touched on. Mm. Reska and... So there's Rel. Oh. Yeah, Rel... It, Relzarek is a five mana planeswalker who plus one looks at the top two. You put one in hand, one in graveyard. Minus three can kill something. It does damage equal the number of instant and sorceries in your graveyard and in exile to target creature. Um, Vraska is four mana for a four a loyalty planeswalker. She can plus two and you sacrifice another permanent. And if you do, you gain one life and draw a card. You don't have to sacrifice something, but if you do, you get that. Mm. And then her minus is a three, and it destroy target permanent, non-land permanent with converted mana cost three or less. So both of them have you know win the game emblems. But you think either of those is playable? Either of those has a specific home that would want them? What do you think, Ryan? Mm. Me? Yeah. I mean, I, I like I like Vraska. I think out of each out of both of these planeswalkers, I think Vraska Golgari Queen is probably more playable. Um, I just, I don't know. Uh, maybe Vraska's good in like a Delirium type deck. Um, yeah, I mean she 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 feels a little bit like a Golgari Chandra, uh, you know, F- Torch of Defiance mm. to me. Wait. You know, you get some card advantage, but you have to sacrifice something. So if you had something like Scrap Heap Scrounger, that you can kind of get back again and again, you just sack it, gain a life, draw a card. And there's something you could do each turn. Ah, uh, you don't want scrap heap in a grindy deck. Yeah, though, probably not. So I don't know. I'd, I'd have to have some kind of card that I could, you know, consistently get creatures back from. Maybe green black zombies. I mean, there's some green black zombies here. I mean, most people are playing just mono black zombies anyways. It wouldn't be that hard to, you know, to splash the green and to put some stuff from from Guilds of Ravnica in there. But would you say it's going to have an impact on Frontier, either of these cards? Yeah, I don't think so. Not right away. I'd say unlikely. Uh, mm, that's kind of where I'm at, too. Vraska yeah. is low-key playable, and it's mostly because she has a plus two. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus mm-hmm. twos are way more powerful than people give them credit for. But uh, yeah, I'm not overly impressed. I think Ral is basically pretty much a classic five-mana blue Planeswalker that does exactly what every classic <laughs> five-mana blue Planeswalker does. And we already have Teferi, yeah. so... 
Um, and Nebraska is like... All right, one more card. Uh, why don't we all go through one more card, and then we'll talk about our top five. Sure. You guys go So, first. Matt, you got something? Uh, give me a sec. I need to look through these. Come back to me. Ooh, um, right, I'm, I'm going to pick one more that we didn't really discuss, and it's you know probably too expensive to see play, but Niv-Mizzet Parun yes. is a very interesting yes. card. It's a three blue, three red for a five, five flying uncounterable. And whenever you draw a card, it deals one damage tar- to any target. And whenever any player casts an instant or sorcery card, you draw a card. <laughs> I love it. So it's almost certainly going to, they can't counter it. It'll come into play at the very worst. They'll kill it with something that can kill a six mana five, five. And then you draw a card uh-huh. and deal a damage. That's not the worst rate in the world Man, this for with, your finisher this with like treasure cruise or like dig even wow well dig I doesn't like draw it. cards but uh, i guess now because but dig or not dig through time but uh treasure cruise treasure like cruise well i guess dig does draw one card because you cast any instant or sorcery and you draw a card mm-hmm. so i'm uh, i'm seeing a one mana draw four cards deal four damage to any target <laughs> yeah i'm in yeah, Even like though this card is terrible, let's let's be real. <laughs> this Probably. is another card that I think would be like a great finisher for like those tutelage decks because they just want to like be drawing cards, right? So they have all Oof. these draw effects and they're milling at the same time and they got they've missed it in there to finish the game. If you're going to six mana, I mean, I think if we were actually doing that, I, I would play I would play the uh, Locust God in that spot. I think instead. Why not both? Because six mana. Because it's six mana. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Well, you have like one and one. I want like so- I think going. I want something like zero, not two. Yeah, I think going to six mana at all in a mill deck is a mistake. I think you're you're an aggro deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like. Uh, Ryan, like you got one for me. Um. Yeah, I think. Uh, it's too hard. There's so many other cards that I wanted to talk about, and Ooh. I have to choose one. Um, yeah, there's still Boros cards that we'll try out, but. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Okay, I guess I want to talk a little bit about uh, Firemind's Research. I kind of like that that card. I thought that was kind of fun to play with. Oh, so that's red and a blue for an enchantment. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you put a charge counter on it, and you can pay you pay one and a blue, remove two charge counters to draw a card, or one and a red, remove five charge counters to deal five damage to any target. So you guys said there really weren't any Storm-type cards. And I kind of see <sighs> this as a Storm effect. Like, it's you get it out early and you start playing all these instants and sorceries. You get all these counters on it, and then bam, five, bam, five, bam, five. I don't know. It's way too slow to me. I way think, too slow. Way yeah, too much of a so game. You, you would need to double the rate of charge gaining for this to be good. And, like, there's no, given that there's charges and there's all this minigame to it, why is there mm-hmm. a mana cost on these abilities? These didn't need a mana cost. They mm-hmm. have a charge cost. This card's terrible. Yeah, this if you're paying four mana terrible. and casting two cards to draw one card. Yeah, I still think it's by good. By the time you've gotten card advantage, you've paid six mana. That, that's really bad. <laughs> like, or at I least to me. This is, like, one of those cards that I think can see play in those kind of janky you know, fun decks like Alchemist Burn. This is, I think it would fit in perfect a, in that deck. This is a complete Timmy card. There's nothing competitive about this at all. Where I'm, where I'm at. Yeah, I would definitely play the... Um, what's the artifact that makes energy before I'd play this? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I forget what it's called, too, but... 
<laughs> yeah, that's bad on us. All right, uh, one more from you, Matt, maybe? If you got anything, otherwise we'll move on uh, to the Crackling top. Crackling Drake. Five. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so I was I was almost going to mention this as part of Niv-Mizzet, and that's kind of the same thing where you're usually going to get a card from this. You know, it's a uh, two blue, two red for an X for... The X is the number of instant and sorcery cards in Graveyard and in Exile, and then it's a flying, and when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card. So this seems, yeah, exactly like your kind of card, Matt. Yeah, so I think Enigma Drake is already playable in the format. I think Enigma Drake is a perfectly fine card if you're going to have a deck to build around it. Um, mm. I've played it, and it can do some scary things. Uh, I think this is like a, a much better version of Enigma Drake because you're never playing Enigma Drake on three for its body, right? It, it It's like a 2-4 flyer on three. So if you're mm-hmm. if you're playing it on three, something's probably gone wrong. So I think you kind of want to get like a million cards in your graveyard. You're you're you know you're doing your Carligon's command, your op, your fatal push, and you're just kind of filling your yard and doing your game plan. And then you know on turn five, six, as you've kind of slowed the game down, then you play Crackling Drake, and it's just an Enigma Drake, but also it replaced itself. Mm-hmm. So that that's what I I'm also at with it. like. It's cards in your graveyard and exile. So even if you yeah. get rid of stuff with a dig through time or a treasure cruise, then you still get or to jump those cards. You, yeah, you know what? I like it a lot. That's actually a great like thing to say because I I kind of forgot that because one of the big hits against Enigma Drake is that you can't play treasure cruise beside it, and it's mm-hmm. it's a treasure cruise deck really. So crackling Drake, that that's a really important point. Hmm. There's so many more cards I wanted to talk about, but I guess we'll have so to. I, I wouldn't yeah. mind talking. Well, you, quick you know what, talk, or I wouldn't mind having a quick conversation about Aurelia and Tajik before we move to top five. Oh yeah, yeah. I tried to talk about them at the beginning of last episode and kind of got cut off. You guys were like, "Oh no, we'll talk about them later." So Tajik, I think, is quite playable. He's the three mana three two with haste, mentor, prevents combat non-combat damage to other creatures you control, and can give himself first strike for red and a white. But most of all, he's a human. So you play Thalia's lieutenant on two. You play this turn afterwards, you know, Lieutenant becomes a 3-3 when you attack. That seems like a lot of damage. So he would protect you from, like, a Sweltering Suns then, right? He would. Yeah, so he would die, but everyone else would. Mm-hmm. I like it. So, I mean, I think I think his secondary ability reads much better than it actually plays. I think it's very narrow in the grand scheme of things, and I think it kind of, at the end of the day, 3-2 uh, haste for 3 isn't super great. But I also I don't hate it either, you know. Like if if I see one or two of these guys in, a, in an aggro list, I'm like, oh, all right, haste haste is a pretty good ability. Mm-hmm. But I I'm also like I I really do think the prevent all non combat clause. I think that I think that's much weaker than it than it looks. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's not going to stop too much. It stops you know lightning strike, Tremoka's command stuff from hitting your other guys, but you probably want to be taking out Tajik first anyways. Yeah, he's a bit of a lightning rod, which isn't really what I like out of my three mana, my three drops, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, Aurelia, I was starting to make a ridiculous comparison that this is the Boros Seed Rhino, and that's when you guys basically cut me off, called me crazy here. I mean, I think the big part of Seed Rhino is that it, uh, for one, it has four power on the block, which is important. Mm-hmm. And for two, it stabilizes your life total, right? So the big thing with Siege Rhino is yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's a stabilizer. It's it's a wall mm-hmm. that's going to come down, stop the aggro decks from attacking freely into you, 
and then it's also going to be stabilizing your life total while chipping them down. This chips them down. And a 2-5 does a little bit of that. But I don't think it's enough, personally. I could be wrong. Um, I like the card, because I think it's just, it's cool. Uh, I don't know how power, I'm kind of, I don't think it's going to be constructed playable. Okay, okay. That's fair. Um, let's go on to our favorite and final part of the show where we talk about what we think the top five cards for Impact in Frontier are going to be. Mm. So we, where should we so, start? Should we start at number five? Uh, yes, number five. number five. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely start at number five, kind of way down. Well, this one, I mean, number one's a little bit too easy, I think. But who's but, number five? We'll start yeah. at five anyways. If, if anyone has a different number one, they're fired. Yeah, yeah. I think I did all right this time. <laughs> Okay, well, what's your number five? My number five? Yes. I like March of the Multitudes as number five. I think it's a great finisher card. Um, I want to try to make green-white tokens work again, and I think this is exactly the type of card that will help to do it. Uh, I'm not sold, but it's it's a pick I can respect. You done good. My biggest hesitation with March of the Multitudes is that we weren't playing four of Secure the Waste usually, mm-hmm. and this is kind of more copies of that card. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it too. On the other hand, like I don't, I wouldn't, so I, 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 wouldn't be, I wouldn't be playing four of these. This would be like something two of. But man, you play this, you get that tempo swing of the life gain. You get all the bodies. So I like it a lot. One thing I kind of like with it is. And this is kind of like, I don't think this is how people want to use this when they see this, but I think it's like you go, you know, turn one Legion landing, turn two uh, dragon fodder, uh, Mm -hmm. turn three tap out for six tokens. Yeah, you could do that, I guess. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, and all of a sudden you have nine tokens on board and you just untap and like, I don't know, Tarkus command them or something. <laughs> I mean, it's, I don't think yeah. it's I don't yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. good, but it, it it sounds like just a hilarious swing for for the decks that can't deal with it, you know. And Goblin Bushwhackers yeah. or the Reckless Bushwhacker, I like a lot with, it. or even with a Gideon, you just get you you do that turn three, you get those six tokens on the board, and then turn four, Gideon Emblem. I mean, I guess that's true because that would be and like there's also still Westvale Abbey. I guess that's true. Yeah, Westvale Abbey. Yeah. Yeah, you could turn four Westvale Abbey with that. That's true. Or you could you could literally drop Gideon immediately alt. And have eighteen power on board. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. I mean, I think it's I think it's very fragile. I think I think they just like they just go all right. They untap and then they they radiant flames you and you're done. But well, that's why it's instant. You know, you do it at the end of the turn. I mean, yeah, yeah. There there is that. It, that's that's not irrelevant. Yeah. All right. How about your number four, Matt? So my number five, number five. is secrets. Yes. Sorry, yes, number and five. This, this is this count. is the undergrowth card that made the uh, made the top five guys. You guys ready? You excited? Okay. Yes, yes. Okay. Secrets of the mausoleum. Ooh. Okay, mausoleum oh, secrets. Yeah, yeah, mausoleum secrets. Sorry. So, this is the one in a black instant. Search your library for a black card with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard. Reveal it. Put it in your hand. Then shuffle your library. I mean, so it wasn't. What are you finding in frontier? So I don't know if it, it has a place yet. But I think tutor cards are just always powerful, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Especially when they're efficient, um, which this is. And mm-hmm. this is additionally instant speed, which tutor cards don't generally get to be. Uh, I'm, I'm, I am disappointed that it's limited to a black card, so I, I don't really know where it mm-hmm. goes. Uh, but I'm hoping that at some point we can get some kind of black-oriented combo deck going. 
And yeah, do the one, the one with the demons. If you have all the demons, like you win the game. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds hilarious. That's rough. That, that's that's rough. not where okay. I want to be with it. But I, I think the raw kind of latent power is there under the surface. Uh, and so that's why it's on my number mm-hmm. five. All right, my number five was Thought Erasure. We already talked quite a bit about this. This is the discard spell for blue and black. Mm -hmm. I think it's not crazy powerful, but I think that it's better than what we have to the point where it's going to see a lot of play in a lot of lists. I think it'll have one of the highest representation of any of the cards we're going to talk about here. Mm -hmm. So I just realized my my number one is going to be different than your guys. I so I get I'm going to be I'm going to be fired. (laughs) Oh no! Okay, what's your uh, what's your number four? My number four is ke- or my number four is Chemister's Insight. Okay, that's the other uh, draw spell we talked about. Yeah. The draw two that you get to play twice. I think it's far and away the best draw for like, the best four mana draw spell in the format. Um, so I expect mm-hmm. it to see immediate play and just immediate impact. And for that reason, it's my number four. Okay, how about uh, you, Ryan? My number four, I, I still like Ritual of Soot. Soot. Um, even though you guys said language is better, I think that there's going to be a lot of decks um, where Ritual Soot can maybe just do a little bit more than what language can do. Clap. Interesting. Okay, I'm still seeing it there. I went with uh, Mission Briefing. I know that Matt talked down about that one a little bit as well, but uh, that one I think we'll still see a lot of play. The uh, the Surveil 2 that gets to flashback something. I didn't, I didn't realize we were... Uh talking about the top five overrated cards in the set huh okay so that's number four my number three is knight of autumn i think it's just like a really Mm. good all-rounder card um it's not it's just it's not like amazing it's not like over the top powerful it's not like getting a new gideon ally of zendikar Mm -hmm. but it is it's just like it's flexible it does everything (laughs) like see yeah, this card. I, I totally agree, but like you said, it doesn't fit in Abzan. What other green-white decks are there? Well, I think there could be. It? I think there. I think we're getting to a point where we could start seeing more green-white decks. Mm. So that, I'd that's. I like. I'd like to believe that. That's my hope, right? Because like it's. Yeah, any kind of banned Coco deck that's not humans will play this. Um, I, I think it fits in any of the sideboards of anything that's green-white. I mean, it's definitely a sideboard Abzan card. I don't just don't think it was a main deck Abzan card. Or if there's another mid-range deck, if if mid-range becomes a thing now. I could see it totally. I also think we're getting closer to Nea being a real deck, um, mm-hmm. and I think this is a shoe. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is a perfect card for that kind of list. Hmm. Nea, not Naya. I say Naya. Oh, I'm wrong, then. that's okay. Naya, I for sure say Naya. Yeah, I say Temer. Although I also say Temer. Right, who, so. Who's next? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I had I had that at Night of Autumn as well. So what did you have as your number three, Ryan? My number three, I had the Unmoored Ego. I, I really like that. I think I think it's going to show up in a lot of sideboards. Ooh, interesting. I think, um, yeah, I mean, just to be able to hit anything, including artifacts, it, it just makes it more playable than than the uh, other effects that we've had in, in Frontier so far. I mean, it's fine. It's, it's it's a super boring number three to me. Huh. I, I think it's 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 fair to pick because it's definitely going to see play. I didn't have it on any of my list just because it's only a slight increase on what we already had. It's only a little bit better. It's either that or Thought Erasure. All right, so uh, my number two, let's see what you guys, if there's any differences here, I'm a little more worried. I have Assassin's Trophy. 
which I don't even know if we talked about. Was that out the last time we had our episode? No, we, we no, didn't, we but didn't. we're, we're going to talk about it. Yeah, right I think you guys yes, should know that we're going yes. to talk about this. Green and black instant destroy target permanent and opponent controls. Its controller may search their library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle their library. This card's incredible. It's so good. It and I mean, is. I guess the problem is, it's it's like, for me, it's a, it's a mid-range card, right? And I, I just, mid-range is just so bad in Frontier. Well, maybe this makes mm-hmm. mid-range a lot better, because this is a really strong I, card. I don't think it's enough. Jund. I don't think it's enough. I, I think the problem Jund is... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll am i be... I think it's just going to be a clean insertion into uh, into uh, Turbo Emrakul. Uh, and I, I'm interested to see if we can make a Saltai deck work with it, but I think it doesn't solve the aggro problem for Frontier or for mid-range and Frontier. I feel like Abzan aggro would be happy mid- to play this. It gets rid of some of the nasty things that really take out Abzan, like Planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not bad at all. I think it's... I, I'm. It, it's a great card. Definitely deserves a slot. Uh, I just. I don't. I think people are overestimating how far away mid range is from being top tier. Yeah, tier two. Yes. Did you have something different as your number it's two? Really, it's it's. I did. Who? What? what Thought Erasure. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's just a really solid instant playable card. Uh, I think graveyard strategy is really big, and there's no part of me that's biased uh, about the Grixis TD deck that that <laughs> it was involved in making this decision. Mm. Uh, what about you, Ryan? For my number two? Yeah. Yeah, I had uh, Pelt Collector. I thought it would hmm. show up in a lot of green decks. Man, I feel green like normally you're more on the same uh, same page as us, but... I don't think that's a bad example. It's it's definitely something I want to test. I don't know yet if it's that strong. Like other than red, I think it's 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 time for the other colors to to kind of prove that they can also be played uh, in aggro. I think I've seen some green snappy decks showing up from time to time. So I think certainly in standard, I, I'm I'm interested to see if they can translate. I'm, I'm thinking I think green snappy is is just too far below the red decks in Frontier right now. Like. I think it's like a solid two-tier difference, so I, I'd be surprised to see this card make the jump. But well, like like green white with that knight of autumn, you know that we were just talking about. I think it would I don't think I, I think green white wants to be a little more, um, a little slower, a little more interactive on the mid-range side of things. Um, mm-hmm. They'll have an aggressive I mean, curve. I think, so. I think I think just as a one-drop, I'd rather have warden of the first tree, uh, or mm-hmm. like you know Llanowar elves in that kind of list. Well, also, like we said, in Elves, it's another good Elf card. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, I do feel in... like it's going to take the slot of Llanowar Elves, and I don't know yet if that's an improvement or not. Also, hardened, hardened scales, like we said, there's just so many possibilities for it. I'm happy to try it out and to to rate it high. All right, uh, so Matt, what is your number one, and why isn't it the Shocklands? Well, the Shocklands are tier zero. Or, or, or my, or okay. my zero. <laughs> so there's zero on your yeah, list. Yeah, they're... They're yeah. above right. number one. My number one is Assassin's Trophy. All right, well, they, they were my number one. I, I never pick, okay, I never pick Lands as number one because I just find they're so boring. Lands uh, don't make my list. But, yeah. But yeah, the, the Shock Lands are going to be um, the most impactful cards in this set by a landslide. So. Ryan, what did you have? Did you also have I Assassin's, had Assassin's Trophy? Trophy. Yeah. Okay, that, I think that's fair, guys. So you guys all got one extra because I put the, uh, the Lands in there. And I mean, the, the Lands deserve it for sure, but I can't bring myself to put them on the top five. So yeah, one more point 
what color gains the most from Guilds of Ravnica? Blue, black, no contest. Ooh. Yeah, maybe that. That seems a reasonable argument. There's just a lot of very good blue, black cards directly. Uh, after that, green, black. Yeah, I was. That was also what I was going to say. Is green, black, obviously from Assassin's Trophy, and then just some other good playmakers. I think Charnel Troll yeah. was like really close to getting a top five slot for me as well. I think Charnel Troll is hmm. actually like quite good. Um, top one in art, though, it's got to be. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I, li- I I really like it, and I think it's just I think, I think it really does deserve the honorable mention. Okay, so any last minute uh, predictions you want to make? Like, oh, this card's going to see a ton of play that we didn't mention. Well, I'm going to bet. Come on, the... boldest prediction. Boldest prediction you can get. Ryan's wrong about everything. <laughs> I, I, sorry, sorry. See, you I said bold. Um, you I, said bold. My bad. See, I had said, like, oh, Tarka's dead last week, and you guys I are... talked about Chromium being like a good card last time during M19, and he goes, no, no, no. And then ended up winning the God versus God of Frontier event. Yeah, but that doesn't. Well, I'm just saying. Is more impactful than you guys thought it was going to be. I didn't, I didn't say it was never going to see play. Hmm. He's got you. He's got you, Matt. You're <laughs> All done. Right. All, right. <laughs> All right, guys, let's bring this to the end of our show. It's been a nice night. It's been a, a long night. We've been talking for a couple hours here about Frontier, which is uh, what I love to do. So, as always, I'm Kevin Finkel. Uh, this is MTG Frontier. Go out and tweet us at MTG Frontier, MTG underscore Frontier on Instagram, and MTGFrontier.net, our website. Yeah, and I'm Ryan Schwenk, and you can find me on Twitter at YoSchwenke, uh, or you can find me on my website, www.thejapanhobbyist.com. I'm Matt Murday. You guys are never going to message me on Twitter anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, this has been fun. Thanks for being on the show, Matt. We always appreciate what you can stop by. Ryan and I will uh, will be jumping into what probably some of our brews and other interesting news that's been coming out. I know there's been some big tournaments we got to catch up on. So you'll hear more from us next week, or probably in two weeks. Well, I guess next week from the time you hear this one. As always, for everyone out there, we look forward to being your go-to source for Frontier information online. Your final Frontier, signing off. Mm -hmm.